0: Today's Bible reading is taken from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 15. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, being rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that... No one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. For the entire fulfillment of God's nature dwells boldly in Christ, and you have been filled by him. Who is he, the head over every ruler, in authority? You were also circumcised in him with the circumcisions not done with hands by putting off the blood of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all the trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with his obligations and was against us and opposed to us and has been taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He trumped over them in him. This is the word of God. This is the word of God.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you before, I'm Jared, one of the student ministers, and I'm excited to bring God's word to you today because of how important this topic is to me. You see, we're at the last week in this series of Why I Believe, and I get to help us think through identity because it has been such a crucial and complex topic that I've personally wrestled with as I've grown in faith. Now, there are plenty of different ways people might understand identity, But the identity that's been important in my journey is where identity is what defines me. It is the values, expressions, and character of someone that holds affinity with a particular group. An influence on our personal values and our interpersonal relationships. When I first started attending Anglican churches, I had such a strange experience with the Anglican expressions, particularly liturgies. It's an important part of Anglican identity, and when you understand its importance, it becomes one of the most beautiful things. But when you first experience it, a room full of people chanting words together is a little bit intimidating. (laughs) Now, it feels normal to me, something that is a part of my common experience of church. My mom is also a Christian, but she is not Anglican. And boy, are our conversations interesting. I encourage her to have a more sound theology. She encourages me to stop being so rigid with my faith. We're both skeptical of the other's denomination because we believe in one way or another it is failing them. Now, this isn't something that is exclusive to denominations of the church. If we're honest with ourselves, there can be many identities that we might subscribe to, which significantly influence how we live our lives as well as how we engage with one another. Whether it be as Christians engaging with non-Christians, married people engaging with single people, people engaging with different sexual orientations, different cultures, or different uh, income brackets, even people who have experienced trauma will carry it around with them as it shapes their experience of the world around them. When your identity is in your job, in being a good parent, in having a good relationship, when it fails, that's when it hurts the most. It can leave you empty and dissatisfied. So as I talk through what my journey of identities led me through, and why I believe in Jesus, my hope is that it encourages us to look at what identities we carry around every day, to examine what it actually means to subscribe ourselves to these labels in a way that holds influence over us. Does what we identify with have our best interests at heart? Can we truly promise our whole self to it? Or will it fail us? Now, as I said, we're going to be exploring this topic of identity as I personally wrestled through this. And so we're going to be using my journey to explore why true fulfillment is found when your identity is in Christ. So for the note takers in the room, we're going to be working with the headings, why identity is important. Secondly, why can identities fail us? And thirdly, an identity that is fulfilling. And Colossians 2 will be our constant companion because we won't be able to understand it without God's word. So, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to keep it open, and I'm going to pray for us as we dig into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have beautifully and intentionally created us in your image and invite us into a relationship with you. Please help us to see you afresh, that we might fall in love with you all over again and trust in you more. Help my words to be your words and open all our hearts so that we can be transformed by your word. For the sake of your glory, amen. So, why is identity important? Well, to explore this, I want to look into the identity that unites most of us here, Christianity. So, Colossians 2 says from verse 6, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. When I read verses like this, I see a whole bunch of jargon words like walk in him, built in him, established in the faith, and a beautiful idea of overflowing with gratitude. But Christians hear all of those phrases and can confidently say that this, these are things which actively living at your faith, one's faith should look like. We see them as loving commands which we can flourish in. You see, identities are more than just labels that we pick and choose from, they define us, they shape our personal values and our interpersonal relationships. Whatever we, we identify with, we carry with us the values of that identity. For example, and bear with me here, if you're looking through a cookbook to make a cake, there are usually photos of the finished product. Now, there are plenty of ingredients which work together to shape that cake, but the less you follow the recipe, the less it's going to flourish into the image that you saw. However, if you at least get the basic ingredients like eggs, flour, sugar, butter, all right, it will still turn out to be a cake, You see, we are all shaped by our past with all the ingredients that it has put in us. But there are core ingredients which shape us into the identity that we build our life around and our characteristics embody that identity. So as we look back at verses 6 and 7 of our passage, we see that the author of the letter, Paul, is encouraging the Colossian church to live lives established and rooted in Christ, so that their lives bear the same identity as him, the same characteristics. But, as I mentioned earlier, there can be many identities which we might uh, subscribe to, which significantly influence how we live our lives, as well as how we engage with one another. One of the first times people might experience this influence is as teenagers, where the power of identity helps you to feel either included or excluded. As you grow older, your values shift, and as you mature and your environment around you changes. I felt this most when I started to notice feelings of same-sex attraction. Identity quickly became one of the biggest wrestles as I couldn't deny that God, was, uh, that God was real, but I couldn't shake who I was attracted to. It was an influential part of how I experienced the world. And everyone around me said that these two identities were incompatible. I, couldn't, I could find my identity in both, but they felt at odds with one another. The church that I was a part of was regularly declaring war on the LGBTQ community, while those who also experienced same-sex attraction around me were slowly becoming more hostile towards the church. I found myself gravitating towards my experience of same-sex attraction, and it became what defined me. As much as I wanted to be a Christian, I decided that I couldn't because it was the only identity that I was choosing. I couldn't change how I felt. My identity was what connected me to the people around me, and so I felt myself drift away from the church, while I slowly made a home amongst the LGBT community. Identities are important, because they are more than just labels, that we can pick and choose from, they define us. They shape our personal values and our interpersonal relationships. We all have an identity, and it does influence how we live because the more we trust in it, the more of ourselves that we give to it. So it's important that we examine the identity that we define ourselves by to understand if it does have our best interests at heart or if it is all but guaranteed to fail us so why can identities fail us well my move to nara was largely uh, my move from nara sorry was largely driven by moving away from the christian upbringing that i had outgrown and living my life based on my relationship status but the more I found myself focusing on finding that person, the more I disappointed I became. My whole life, my whole self was wrapped up in my sexual orientation because it was a community that understood the situation best, but it was isolating me from many things that made me who I am as well. Friends were no longer friends. They were potential partners or friends that could introduce me to potential partners. University and social gatherings were just places to meet people. I was emptying myself for this. And to be honest, if I had found someone, my identity would have been wrapped up in my partner and it would have suffocated them. Don't get me wrong, there are many good people and good things to celebrate about the LGBT community, particularly their inclusivity. However, the more I let myself be defined by it, the more it struggled to support me. The love from this community that so captivated me at the start only spread so far and the support that I needed wasn't always there. Colossians 2.8 states, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the Colossian church, this was an issue of Greek philosophy teaching them that Christ was just one part of this larger divine puzzle, that there was more to God than just Christ, that there was more to put their identity in. But here, we find Paul speak out against that. It's interesting how he uses this idea of weakness and autonomy in the same sentence. Now, there's a chance that you could be taken captive, but you've got to be careful about it. You've got to be careful against it. It's a warning. You will have people and things promising to enable you to be the best version of yourself, promising you the world, but always costing you everything in your attempts to climb the corporate ladder, to be the best parent, to have the best relationship. You give your whole self to it. Tim Keller states, you know what you build your life around when you fear losing it. The world is full of empty promises. Everything runs a risk of crumbling when we put our whole weight on it, especially when we make it define us. So should we just be skeptical towards everything that promises good to us? Is there an identity that is capable of even holding us up that can leave us fulfilled and satisfied? Well, verse 9 and 10 states... For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. There were two things that came to the rescue for when my identity was crumbling. Firstly, I was surrounded by a group of young Christians who embodied God's love for me there was a genuineness to their love. Their love felt unconditional. While I looked at myself and saw a monster, they looked at me and saw a brother. It made me realize that I was too quick to assume that my same-sex attraction disqualified me from God's love. So I began attending church again. The second thing was that Sam Alberry came to preach at our church, which was the first time that I'd ever seen someone in ministry who had the same experience as me. He helped me to understand that everyone is affected by sin and everyone's sexual desire is affected also. That same-sex attraction is just one part of a larger sexual issue which everyone wrestles with. That God doesn't love me any less because this is something that I'm carrying. That it's okay for me to bring my sexuality before him in frustration, and he won't judge me for it. Sam also helped me to see that there was a beautiful and fulfilling life that same-sex attracted people can faithfully live within the body of Christ. For me, the hardest thing about that was dedicating my life to uh, a life of celibacy especially when the whole world is trying to convince me that my life isn't fulfilled unless I, have a, uh, unless I have a partner to be intimate with. But we can have intimate friendships. In Christ, we have intimate fellowship where we know and can be known by each other intimately. I can find this in Christ because the entire fullness of God dwells in him. He is greater than anything that I can put my identity in. And he is powerful enough to free me from their captivity. See, when Colossians says that you were filled by him, it means that there is no room for anything else to hold power over you. Our past is a part of our story but Jesus holds authority over our past so that it no longer has the power to hold us. It is through Christ that we have the freedom to understand and flourish as our best selves. Paul concludes this section by stating from verse 13, and when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. I believe there is a comfort here for everyone. At times, we can feel like the world is against us, Things which once promised us life now feel like they take life from us. Anything we trust in crumbles or abandons us. Sometimes we even fail ourselves. Read this passage and know that the burden has been nailed to the cross. That Jesus has triumphed over all things. So when your identity is in Christ, you are made alive in Him. That is why I believe. So what do we do with this? Well, my hope is that we can take away two things from this. Firstly, because our identity defines us and influences our relationships, it's important that we regularly examine where we put our identity in. What do you carry with you throughout the week? What influences you? What do you fear losing? The temptations and empty promises of this world don't stop once we've put our trust in Jesus. Things will continue to try and pull us away and encourage us to place our identities elsewhere. A common encouragement in culture is for you to put your trust in yourself, to be independent and your own authority, for your experience to be your truth, and your friends to only be those who enable everything that you decide for yourself. Brian Rosner has written a book called How to Find Yourself which speaks about avoiding the trap of the most common way of finding our identity, which is to look inward. Because, when, because what ends up getting thrown away and out the window are things like humility and sympathy and gratitude. So we should regularly be examining our hearts to see what we are building our life around. Particularly if you believe your identity is in Christ, whether that's actually something you live out. It can be easy for us to identify with Christ on a Sunday and then move into something else throughout the week. How much do you allow Christ to influence you throughout the whole week? The opening verse in our passage encourages us to be rooted and established in the faith. A good way to help this is to join our gatherings outside of a Sunday. It can be easier to place your identity in Christ when you surround yourself with your growth group in the middle of the week. Secondly, I think we should strive to celebrate the diversity that comes with the unity in this church. While our identity in Christ unites us, we're many parts of the same body. We each bring different gifts, different struggles, different strengths and weaknesses. To find your identity in Christ does not mean to ignore every other part of you that makes you who you are. When I first entered into ministry, I immediately tried to suppress my same-sex attraction because of my fear that my difference was going to hinder my ministry. But I chose to share my struggles with you today because I know I won't be the only person who has this experience. And I know I won't be the last person that you come across who experiences same-sex attraction and is in need of God's love. Our identities are complex to wrestle with, but they find their fulfillment in Christ. So brothers and sisters, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that while we are diverse, we are united in you. We thank you that you fulfill our identities and give us a community to belong to. Please help us to love one another well, just as you love us, and help us to live this week as your children. In Jesus' name, amen.